Hello everyone and welcome back to the Dicey D20. My name is Noah, Dungeon Master, and I'm joined here by our players. We have Gregory the Warforged. How's it going, Gregory? Uh, finally satisfied. God answered your prayers, eh? You know what? Well, you were asking I, for the weapons. Are you trying to call yourself God? I am God of this world, yes. <laughs> I'm gonna let that one fly. Uh, <laughs> I'm <just> so happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so, so overjoyed. Mm. To have something that does more than a D6, yeah. you know? Feeling good. Yeah, ready to adjust to two-handed life? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm gonna have to think through maybe a couple different moves, you know? Not gonna have as high an AC. But, yeah, because you're uh, losing the shield. But yeah. less AC, we'll more damage, right? Yeah. Kind of the trade-off, right? Yeah. Cool. Double Dub Dop It, how's it going, my friend? I'm loving life, man. Loving life. I got all the herbs that you could possibly think of, the strongest alcohol you could possibly think of, and hopefully going to this place... Mm. Win a bunch of money. Nice. Come back. Yeah. Get that cape. Mm. And I'm going to the trinkets. Yeah. So let's see how that goes. Life is good. Life, Pete. Tyson McKay, my friend. How's it going, buddy? Uh, good. You know, the only one of the group, well, me and Fievel got full night's sleep, so well rested. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Good stuff. Fievel Mazentrov, how's it going, my friend? You know what? With all these improvements, I can't complain. And I, you know, I mm. still have nine to put into him. I'm just, you know, holding them back. Jesus. <laughs> well, you know, just hand him three more heads. Make him a fucking Hydra. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> and last but certainly not least, Rogar Ragnak. How is it going, my dude? Call me Adamanti Armor. <laughs> okay, Adamanti Armor. <laughs> We're actually going to start off today with Rogar Ragnak, ladies and gentlemen. Rogar, last we left off, you had accepted the clear vial from Anasi, the traitor, weapons dealer of the Roma <laughs> camp. As he hands you the vial, my friend, he then sticks out his hand. He, as he does so, draws a circle along his palm with his Ooh. left index finger. Demon stuff. Okay? I don't like that. Uh, and a black bit of swirling energy sits in his palm. He then sticks his hand out towards you and he says, Do I have your word that you are going to deliver? Run! <laughs> I, I, I shake his hand and I say, for sure. So your palm begins to become cold and almost feels like drained of energy as there's a transference from Anasi to you. It all takes no more than a second before you take your hand back. Looking down at your hand, you see almost a permanent black mark. On More your palm. Power. <laughs> he bows to you and says, It has been a pleasure doing business, my friend. And I ask him when I do the deed, does the circle in my palm go away? Of course. Damn it. <laughs> can I see if he's lying? Uh, you can roll an insight check if you want. <laughs> Seven? <laughs> you, yeah, I mean, it seems like he's telling the truth. Okay. So, we are moving right along. Dabble dab dab it. Last we were... In the Roma camp, you were on your way to the trinkets table. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. Okay. So you head over to a cart uh, sitting inside of it with a very large table, which seems to fold out and down. That would be the wall of the cart itself. There is uh, a cloth, uh, a green one, laid down on this table. And an elderly woman, quite old, sits inside her cart. On this table, there is a, a many a great number of things. Old socks. There is uh, vests with tiny pockets. Uh, there is velvet bags with who knows what inside them. Little bits of trinkets in terms of like little silver spoons. There is a lamp with what looks to be a type of bird inside of it. You're not quite sure, but many odd things on the table. Hmm. I'm gonna say, uh, how you doing? And do you got anything for a little gnome like me? The old woman looks towards you. She wears spectacles on her face and she kind of squints down at you. Uh, and has to like kind of kind of sit up in her chair a little bit to see you down below. And she says, "Oh, my dear, a little gnome. It's been many years since I've seen one of your kind here." I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. But I have something for everyone, my little gnome friend. So, what interests you? Well, obviously magic. Hmm. I wouldn't say you have a lot of that. My items, some of them are magical in there nature. But as for what they do, well, that is entirely different. Please explain a little more. Well, I would love to tell you more. I mean, take this little canary. 
So there's a lamp with that small bird. It's actually a mechanical canary inside, which seems to like chirp and look around. She says, Yes, it is interesting, unique even. When she sings, a bright light is emitted, but would you use it to hit someone over the head? Probably not, right? That's a nice little bird, though. It is, it is. My little friend, yes. Yes, so I have many different wares. Okay, uh, I'm just gonna take a look and okay. see what I see. Roll me a d20. Uh, 19. Okay, you find what looks to be a, uh, a black pirate flag, which catches your attention. It is draped on the inside along the back. It has a dragon skull and crossbones as its, as its sigil. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So she sees you eyeing and she says, A pirate's flag, marauder's flag, from an older time. How did you come upon this? Ah, someone like me never tells the secrets. Not even to a little gnome like me? Not even to a little gnome like you. <sighs> How much? Hmm, for you, I would sell for five gold pieces. It is very old flag, very unique, very interesting. Um, anything else I should know about it? Besides the fearsome sigil, no, I do not think so. It is not inherently magical, as you'd say. <laughs> I don't want any curses or anything. <laughs> I see that you are a smoker. You like the pipes. Yes. Uh, I do. <laughs> I have a set of bone pipes. Yes, made from the giant bone, believe it or not. Very old. First age. First age, damn. I like it. How much for those? We're in that like would the be 15th thir- age. 30 gold pieces for the two of them. It is a set of pair. I cannot separate. I will not. Ah, that, that's fair. How long do these last? The giant bone, she is very strong, very sturdy. She lasts a very long time. I'm going to ask her, um, why are you selling these as a pair? These giant bones, they were from brothers, it is said. Yes, a very strong pair of brothers. And if you separate them, anything happen? It is bad luck to separate the giant bone from the giant bone, no? (laughs) I mean, it might be. So, all your trinkets seem to have a little special something to them. Hmm. Just wondering if there's a special something that I need to know about for these two. Special something? You mean, like, something they do? Yeah, exactly. You see, my little gnome friends, these giant's bone pipes... They are used for smoking. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I get that. Do yes. they enhance the smoke at all? Enhance the smoke? Well, the bones of giants are inherently magical, but I'm not sure that they do anything magical, you know? Have you seen anyone smoke out of them before? In my time on this plane, I have seen not one mouth touch these pipes. Ask her to do it. <laughs> <laughs> on a sample. You know what? Just go for it. I'm going to be the first to do it. So, uh, I'll, I'll take these off your hand. Okay. Do you have 30 gold pieces? I do. All right. So, she holds out her old hand for the 30 gold. I'm going to hand her 40, and I'm going to take that flag, too. Okay. <laughs> so, she takes the flag down. She's very old, so it takes her, like, almost a minute and a half to take the flag down as she hands it over to you. Uh, she then hands you the two pipes of the giant bones. Okay, so you now have two giant bone pipes and a black pirate's flag with a dragon skull and crossbones. And she also says anything else that I can offer you, my young gnome friend. And she winks at you. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I think that's good. You've treated me well and I hope to see you another time. Of course, of course. Anytime, my dear. We'll talk soon. So, you conclude your business with the Lady of Many Trinkets. Anything else that you guys would like to do in the Roma camp? What time is it? It's currently 2 o'clock in the morning. Run around naked. <laughs> <laughs> we should we'll just probably head back fairly soon. Yeah, I, I don't really have back. any other business here. I don't here. have anything else to spend. I spend all my gold, and I'm already doing a favor online. <laughs> Wait, if I kill him, then does this spell go away? No. <laughs> That's bad. Why are you even thinking of that? Kill him and then the potentially it. extremely yeah. hard. Okay, gentlemen, so are you heading back to your own camp? Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so having already received your XP for this whole encounter, uh, congratulations on your deals with the Gypsy, or the Roma, camp. You guys head back into the forest towards your own encampment, and the sounds of the violin, the tambourine, and the fiddle fade into the distance. As you return, the drake, chopper, and his two heads kind of peer up and look at you guys Okay, as you enter the camp. Noticing that your friends, the docile, left head, and chopper both head back down, but the aggressive right head with the cloudy eye kind of snarls and growls at you guys as you approach. Get him, boy! Get him! Let him see how he reacts. <laughs> okay. like the red cape for a bull. Is there anything else that you guys would like to do Shoot before... I assume you guys are going to head back to bed, but I mean, it's up to you guys. I'm going to spend like a quick half an hour just looking at the pipes that I got. Yeah. They're very ornate, for sure. Yeah. Uh, very old. And... Yeah, definitely you can tell by the feel of the bone that it's not like an, an animal bone or anything like that. Like they, yeah. they seem to, to have some weight and some heft to them. Sweet. Yeah. That's, that's good. Can I um, uh, put on my new armor? You can, and then go to sleep in it? <laughs> yes. Classic Mother Teresa move. I love it. Okay, so you are now into your new adamantine armor. What are you going to do with your old armor? Can I keep it? I'll take it. Give it to me. Um, it's, <laughs> it definitely won't fit you. <laughs> Yeah, you can keep it. You'll just have to wear it on your in your, in your pack, right? Okay. Is like you have my to strap nice something to your horse emblem and stuff on this armor. Co- yeah, correct. I mean, the armor that you you can take over your um your sigil, like your cloth vestments. You can yeah. put those onto the new armor if you want. Yeah, I'll do that. All right, you do so. Uh, so now you still look like a true knight of the new moon. Is there anything else that anyone would like to do before we hit the sack? Uh, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. Cool. Good. Tyson and Fievel, you guys are both good? I'm gonna train with the new weapon, you know? I'm gonna get that going. Don't okay. make too much noise, please. No, I'm, I'm pretty fucked up right now. <laughs> I train when you guys sleep all the time. I think I know how to pull this off. The rest of the night passes by without incident, and by morning time, uh, as you guys wake a few hours after the sun rises, there is no longer the sounds of the gypsy, the Roma camp, in the distance, so... Uh, no longer do you hear the sounds of the fiddle, violin, or tambourine. What would you guys like to do? Are they at disadvantage because they were up all night? Uh, they were up for a couple hours. I wouldn't say they're at disadvantage. Disadvantage. Um, <laughs> I was only up for a little bit. Uh, I would imagine that they slept a little bit more to to compensate for it. So, yeah, I'm gonna say they're fine. We wake them up at the crack of dawn. <laughs> okay. So, team, what would you guys like to do? Back on the road. So you guys grab your horses, uh, mount up, and continue to ride on the trade road due south. The days of travel are becoming a lot easier, as it uh, it's still technically winter time, but down in the south here, they don't feel winter the same way that you guys do. And as you continue to ride towards Malvista, the weather just consistently improves. Did, did the horse pick back up to? Yeah, they the f- they feel like they're a lot they're working a lot nicer now. Plan worked, boys. Three days into your journey. Towards the south, my friends, you guys finally meet the ocean along the iron shores on the uh, western side of Norian. You guys find yourselves looking down rocky slopes towards the ocean, which crashes and batters against the rocks. It's very soothing, very peaceful, but the winds are kind of blustery here, and the trade road isn't so close to the edge of the, the iron shore, right? The iron shore consistently erodes away, so the trade road is built a solid 100 or 200 feet from the from the, the iron shore at all times. Another week passes on the road, and nothing really super important to report here in terms of, of, you know, bandits or people that you meet on the road, though you are meeting more and more people along the trade road. As we're going along one day, mm-hmm. um, I'm just going to drop back from the group a little bit. Okay. And I'm going to get off my horse and just walk beside it, if anything, or a little bit behind, and I'm going to drink the fire-breathing potion. Okay. So, like, as you guys are along the sea, you drink the fire-breathing potion? Yeah. Okay. So you uncork it, and you immediately feel, like, a sweltering heat blustering up into your face. I, uh, take a deep breath and start chugging. Okay. Uh, all in one? Because it's, it's not, like, a huge amount of liquid. Yeah, it's like, a it's... Shot. Yeah. yeah. Shot. 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 Okay. So you slug it back, it immediately feels as though you drank fire, okay? It's intensely painful. There's no permanent burns or scarring or any type of actual damage left to your mouth, but it feels as though you, someone stuck, like, a, a red-hot poker inside your mouth. 
As it goes down your throat, you feel burning and pain unlike that which you've ever felt. Uh, like, am I screaming? And do they? Know? You can't scream because it's going oh, okay. down your, your throat. You. So you are gasping for breath, falling to your knees even, and clutching your chest. It is the most painful thing you have ever experienced and maybe that you ever will. I punch Sick. him. Okay. <laughs> Double up, it's up like fire water. Never fake. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you were sufficiently far enough behind the group, though, and everyone's been traveling for al- almost a month at this point, so it's not like everyone's like noticing. In the back. It's not like you're making noise either. Yeah. You can't, right? Nearly three minutes you spend on the ground, kind of shaking and trembling as the fire somewhat settles, it seems, in your stomach. Your belly feels nearly almost constantly warm for the rest of the day. You're okay. No effect has taken place yet. Okay. It's like changing your body. Yeah. Have I burped at all? You continuously burp, oh, okay. and it tastes like brimstone. You um, gonna mount back on your like, horse? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can, yeah. <laughs> and you head back to. This, this is my only concern. Is like, okay, I hop off this horse. Can I get back on without Greg's help? No, you're okay. You're, you're you're used to mounting your horse on your own at this point. Okay, cool. Fievel, at the fourth week, Chomper and his two other heads have grown to an immense size. He is over fifteen feet long now. And his weight is nearing the 800-pound mark. He spends nearly every day apart from you, and he is constantly eating. So my sausages aren't doing it for him anymore? Your sausages were gone after the third day. You guys have been on the road for a month. So so he is, is now nearing 800 pounds and over 15 feet long. So he's massive. His his actual size would be would be large, technically. Okay. His stats have also changed and increased. He's now considered to be a behemoth. Oh. Oh, shit. With an armor class of 17, hit points of 115, speed of 45. Oh, God. He is immune to fire damage, resistant to slashing, lightning, cold, poison, and acid, and he cannot be frightened or charmed. Damn it. Whoa. Lock, lock, you're useless. <laughs> he can carry on actual conversations, simple ones now, in Draconic, or at least oh. understands them. And can speak simple things. I talk to him all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He also has two different feats. So he has Tiamat's Blessing. When this creature makes a melee attack that would do additional elemental damage, roll a d6. The element will depend on the result of the roll. So he deals fire damage on his melee attacks. He also does a multi-attack, which means he does three attacks per turn. Two with bite or claws and one with tail. His bite doing 2d10 plus 4. Plus the elemental damage, his claws doing 2d6, no elemental damage, and his tail doing 2d12 plus 4, no elemental damage, but the target has to make a 15 strength throw or be knocked prone. <laughs> good, good boy, chompers. I'll make him bigger. <laughs> this is actually something that I do want to look into, though, because it says language is draconic, but I mean, does, does that mean that he's speaking? Yeah, probably... Mentally speaking? I thought they weren't that intelligent, though. Yeah, that's the thing, is, like, his intelligence is super low. No, his intelligence is plus one, actually. He's a genius. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, I guess, uh, I guess technically he can speak. Nice. Yes. So he's not super intelligent as dragons are, but he can understand and speak simple, simple things. Good. Cool. Good. Sweet. I'm constantly right. talking shit about Dabbledob and Gregory to him. <laughs> <laughs> I can breathe fire, you realize. Well, not yet, but I will. Okay. <laughs> I say, I bet that guy so, can't even breathe fire. <laughs> <laughs> so, gentlemen, uh, two more days pass over the month, and soon you find yourself standing at the Iron Shore, looking at a vast coastline. The weather here is fair, nearing up to like the 15, 16 degree mark, and uh, the sun shines brightly in the sky. Down before you, lies Malvista, the sprawling city on the coast where the ocean ends and the city begins as though it grew out of it. Dozens of ships, big and small, are anchored in its protected bay, and at the height of the city lie great structures of the Second Age, cathedrals and towers that survived the Great War nearly 300 years ago. As our heroes approach, I'm assuming do, the gates of the city are open, constantly. Hundreds of people clamor about attending to their affairs. Farmers, fishermen, tradesmen, and shopkeepers all about on the streets. As you guys approach the city, Fievel, I'm going to imagine that you're leaving your drake behind at a very large city like Malvista like this, but I mean... Not this again. <laughs> no, yeah, well, fly this is, around and yeah. as he does. All right. 
As you guys approach the city, the guards eye the Warforged for sure, and the Dragonborn, but do not stop. The guards uh, wear the colors of red and black. Their sigil is a black ship on a red seat, painted on their shields and stitched into their padded leather pieces. The walls of the city are very tall, nearly 40 feet tall, with many towers and turrets along that wall. So, as you guys enter, Malvista has a very distinct smell about it. The ocean spray, definitely here, but the smells of city and civilization. For many of you, Tyson McKay, for sure, Fievel, for sure, uh, and most likely Rogar Ragnak. This, this is the largest city you guys have ever seen. Smells like fish. This is a big. <laughs> this is a big village. <laughs> the walls were what would you guys double the size like to do? In the Rimouski tribe. <laughs> no one put in there. Roll me a fucking deception check. <laughs> Leave it with a nat 20. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone, he seems utterly convincing in saying that the walls of the Rimouski tribe were 80 feet tall. Holy shit, <laughs> this place sounds amazing. <laughs> Except <Hey>. for the pit. <laughs> there are people calling about as you guys walk the street. Hands needed for vessels. Make good coin out at sea, a man yells. I go, and I go others... to see him. <laughs> I know. I might okay. have to go. I got so the you approach lady. a man. He uh, is quite good-looking, quite handsome, and he says, You there! Yes, you young man, he says as he points to Tyson. You can make a good living at it, see? Me? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, a bright young lad like yourself. Nothing you can't do. Learn a few knots. Learn to rig the sails, and you you could be out there earning, get this, up to five gold pieces a day. Five gold pieces a day, you guys. Garbage. (laughs) (laughs) You're garbage. <laughs> I say... Talk homeless. <laughs> make me the captain. <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> what would you guys like to do? I guess we should go... Wait, if all of us join, do we get a free ship? What, what kind of fucking <laughs> question is that? What do you mean, do you get a free ship? Hey, no. This guy's getting commissioned for signing people up. I'm just saying, you know, there has to be some kind of bonus. Let's build our own ship. Out of their pieces, their ship pieces. Yeah. Corpses. Jesus Christ, you guys are all fucking <laughs> lost. I'm, I'm just gonna keep going. Okay. Um, I feel like we need to go to that uh, place to drop off your shit. My vial? Yeah. Well, what vial? Don't I only know about it? Well, yeah, no, but I'm I, saying well, maybe I you should go there. there. Yeah, I'll, I'll head the, uh, the dwarves shop. Where are you going? I tell him after. Where is the dwarf game. shop? Do you remember? Lower city? The lower part of the city, the south side of town. So you guys begin to head to the south side of town, and walking along the street nearest to the seat. Well, second most nearest to the seat. Walking along, you quickly spot, in and amongst the the hundreds of people on the streets, what appears to be a very unique and certainly magical shop called Griffins and Gargoyles. Ooh. Okay. Would you like to enter that shop? Yeah. Sitting... Behind the counter, with small spectacles, is a dwarf. His hair is nearly white at his roots of his beard and his uh, his head, but turns to a, a deep orange as it grows out and down towards wow. um, his feet. His beard has two very long strands, which make it down almost to his belly, uh, and they have golden rings, which hold the hair in place. Uh, his hairs along the front of his chest make it down to, to about his mid-chest. He has a very large, what looks to be almost like a, a mohawk of sorts, or it grows up like a mohawk and then outwards. Wow. He is currently inspecting a small ring, and uh, he has a pipe kind of hanging out of his mouth. As you enter, he squints up at you guys, then he takes the spectacles off, throws them down, and says, What can I do for you guys? Stick up. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I walk over to him and I give him the scroll. No, that'd be be funny. You must be the Knights of the New Moon. (laughs) I ask him if he's the owner of the shop. Do I look like a fucking shopkeep to you, boy? Hmm? No, I didn't know dwarves could own shops. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, and look, the peasant has a tongue. He came from this city. I'm a sailor now. fucking lose it. Oh, a high-born sailor, eh? Oh, you don't fucking say. You and every fucking whore on the streets a sailor in this town. I'm a whore now, too? No, you're working. I'll tell you what. You can stay in my shop, you drag. If you let that fucker get out. I I refuse. (laughs) So, the dwarf 
from below the counter, grabs a very large club, hefts it in one hand, and says, You fucking leave, or I make you leave. Whore. <laughs> oh. Wait, are we all there right now? Wait, let yeah, me give him a vial first. I'm <laughs> killing myself laughing. I planeswalk. <laughs> okay, so it takes you a minute to do that, so you're still just standing there. <laughs> I stare at him while I do and it. So, he shakes his head and he goes, what is it you want, dragon? Hmm? I ask him if he knows a man of the name a Nazi. <laughs> he looks to you and he says, What's it to you? Hmm? That I've got something from him for you. So he kind of wraps his big meaty fingers on the table and he says, Well, fucking don't keep me in suspense. Show it to me, huh? Okay, I pull the that, file out. Or- as you pull the vial out, he quickly grabs it from your fingers, puts his spectacles back on, inspects, and he says, That old fucker came through. He slams his hand down on the table, and he says, All right, all right, you're fine. I still don't like your fucking fisherman friend here, but you're all right in my books, I, dragon. I ask him what, what what's in the vial. Oh, wouldn't you fucking like to know? Yes, if I would. If Nazi didn't tell you, then I'm not going to tell you either. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, it's that important, okay? Then, uh, does the mark go away on my hand, then? So, you look down to your hand, and the mark is slowly fading away. Yes, I got my power. <laughs> I'm going to hand you 300 experience points for handing the vial over to the dwarf. Now we can break he the says, vial. All right, is there anything else I can do for the rest of you? Or are you just loitering in my fucking shop? Oh, it is your shop. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still fucking here? Get your scrawny ass out of here. I, uh, I nod my head and I, I thank him and say, I hope you, hope you have a good day. So he looks to the Warforged and he says, Ah, oh, just about everything that can tickle your taint. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I got axes. I got spears. I got armor. I got rings. I got potions that'll get you fucking wrecked. Yeah, that's right. I got potions. something for every occasion, my friend. Every occasion where we have zero gold. You guys don't have any money. (laughs) I have a mount. (laughs) Plus 100 experience points. (laughs) Okay, is there anything else you guys would like to say to this eccentric dwarf? Or would you like to... Another gnome. (laughs) I will say... I'm a a little light in the uh, gold department, but... uh, well, what, you fucking think this is about handouts here, boy? <laughs> yeah, you no, dumb I piece of shit. I don't give shit away for free. <laughs> I was just saying if there's any... Andy J's. <laughs> Do I look like I can't handle my own shit? He says as he hefts the club again. He says, I take care of my own favors. I do my own work. When you got gold, and maybe your little sailor whore friend can help you out with that, you can come back here and buy whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> hit him, hit him. Five gold a day, I'll be back. <laughs> In six years, I'll be back. <laughs> I, uh, I had a, um, a, a Do I see, theory. like, any wands in that kind of thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. I'm gonna... Well, no. I don't have money, so it's kind of useless. And he's just gonna get pissed off if I look at it. <laughs> and then I say, here, here's 25 gold pieces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, just gonna put a pin on that and remember this place. Cool. Uh, what would you guys like to do? Hey, why, why do we come here again? <laughs> Because you fuckers. <laughs> What'd we do? Yeah, let's get out of here. He but, stole the well, uh, dragon egg, and now we gotta find a buddy. Who'd I tell it to? <laughs> You're drunk, Rogue. I'll walk out the door and say I'll see you later. Okay, so you guys are walking out the door. Yeah. Okay, so you guys head out the door. The street is busy, but standing in the middle of it, both hands <laughs> clasping his cane, and standing with a top hat as well, is Mr. Crane. He looks to all of you and says, Gentlemen, I see your... Finding your way around Malvista quite expert. Never gonna believe it, but I lost the Drake. <laughs> he looks to you and he says, What a pity. Well, can't be helped now, I guess. Can it, Fievel? <laughs> I have a chicken egg in my pocket. <laughs> Does anyone else have something intelligent to say? Are you ready to follow me? The way. I'm apparently a sailor now. <laughs> and a whore. <laughs> Malvista changes people. That is to be sure. The reason for this isn't Malvista, like this is them. <laughs> he looks to you and he says, Tyson McKay, with such low moral standards as to be a whore, I don't believe it. I'll suck your dick. <laughs> Crane raises an eyebrow and then says, 
This way, gentlemen, <laughs> and do keep up. I knew he wanted one. Uh, he didn't even notice me? Well, he did notice you, like you're there. He knows you're all there. Why, do you, do you need a, a special welcome? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're a real piece of shit. So, Crane begins to walk down the street northwards. Okay, and you guys are free to follow. It seems like everyone gives him a wide berth, as though when he walks, even beggars seem to move out of the way. There's okay. homeless people here. He can... He continues to walk until he reaches a tavern. It's always a tavern. This tavern is called the Sour Shark. Whoa. Is at the east end of the city, really just a stone's throw away from the docks. Okay. Throw a stone towards the dock. There are two doors, double doors, which he opens or flings open and then walks down a set of stairs. The smell of ale and meat and kind of like must. Hits you guys in the face as you follow, if you choose to. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Walking down and in, you see sailors of all different kinds. Many of them more like lowly sailors, drunks and such. My people. Hanging from the ceiling <laughs> by two large chains is a shark, which has been taxidermed. Shark! <laughs> you are almost certain that some of the smell is from the shark. I've never seen a shark before. Walking past, you haven't, that's fair, is a very large shark, almost 15 feet in length. Is that a dragon? (laughs) His cane, making a tapping sound on the ground, he walks past the bar, the barman, who is a very thin fellow with a very elaborate mustache, nods at Crane, who nods back as he walks and opens a door to a back room. All the eyes on the tavern seem to be on you guys, looking at you. As you all look quite different from the regular clientele of the Sour Shark. Here's a rye berry. Heroes of rye berry. (laughs) God, we need a bigger town to be heroes of, people. (laughs) You guys actually saying that as you walk in, we're the heroes of rye berry? I'm putting my head down if you guys do that. (laughs) I say, in rye berry I'm a hero, but here I'm a whore. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, some of the men just shake their heads. Others seem to mutter to each other. Quietly and drink their ale. <laughs> Crane opens a door and then stands beside it, allowing you all to filter into a small room. All right, let's go. Pile in. He closes the door as you all enter. The only other thing in this room is an iron door at the other side, but there is no handle. He walks over to it, raps on it three times with his cane, and then stands back and places his cane back on the ground. After a second, a slit opens in the door at about eye height. A set of deep blue eyes. Assess Crane, our companions, and the slide quickly closes again. The door swings open after a few telltale clicks and sliding sounds of metal as locks and other bars are removed, and inside is a narrow corridor. There is a woman standing there, decked out in leather armor and light gear, many different styles of knives on her person, the right side of her hair braided and deep blue. The left side, kind of loose and wavy. I love you. Her eyes are blue. Even her (laughs) lips are tainted blue. As she looks, she says, So you finally got them, eh, Crane? And he smiles and he says, I always do. You know that. And he walks past her. She holds the door open and eyes you all as you walk in. I'll give up the sailor's life for you. (laughs) So Dabbledob is rushing to the front to be first behind Crane. (laughs) I want to be first. Okay. Is anyone going to contest him on that, or he's just doing that? Can we try and trip him? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, roll me a d20 to try and trip Dabbledon. I have fire breath. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. So, 14. (laughs) Okay, so he does trip you, but I'm going to give you a dex saving throw to see if you can, like, catch yourself from falling, because he just hit it on the money. Uh, Anything over a 10. Yeah, 10 or actually 11, sorry. Okay, so you stumble a little bit, but do not trip. You quickly correct yourself as you walk past the woman in blue. And I whisper, fuck it, bitch. <laughs> okay, so she raises her eyebrows as you quickly march past. Who's next? Greg. Okay, so Gregory walks past. Oh, gosh, okay. All told. Her blue eyes assessing him as well, and then our other companions. Who would like to go after that? Okay. Oh, yeah, oh, sure, oh, okay. Tyson. I'll go up to her and I'll say, Hi, my name's Tyson. Nice to meet you. Her lips kind of curve into a smile and she says, Oh, I know who you are. Who am I? Please tell me. 
First, I was a hero. Okay. Now, now I'm a whore. whore. <laughs> I was a sailor earlier today. <laughs> so she flicks her eyes towards the end of the hall and says, Keep moving. Okay, I, I keep walking, but I mutter under my breath about who I am. Okay. Following that would be Fievel. Yeah. I'll go there. Okay. Fievel Mausentrov strutting through. <laughs> I tell you the second So you mouse. hand her a piece of cheese. Always she does not extend her hand to take it. I slip it in her pocket (laughs) So as you're about to slip her in her pocket She seems like she's quite adept At sleight of hand and dexterous things She grabs your furry hand as you try to And she says, you hang on to that I think you'll need it more than I will (laughs) So generous (laughs) I I just walk away Okay, and last but not least Is Rogar Ragnak Rogar, as you walk through the door She bars your way with a hand on your metal armor And she says Oh, I like you. Oh, God. Not this again. <laughs> I, uh, say, do you know who I am? Oh, of course. I know exactly who you are. Gregory. You're a good boy. And you like good boys? <laughs> I like turning good boys bad, she says as she kisses oh, you on the cheek. And whoa. then removes her hand so you can continue on your way. Please tell me he's walking name. with Major Stiffy right now. Roger, you're poking Fievel in the back Roll of that. dick. Roll right? that. He's he's a dragonborn. He has a cloaca. Oh, right. yeah, oh. I remember those days. You're poking fields As you all walk down the, the narrow hallway, she what? closes the door behind you guys. And you guys hear the exact same sounds you heard before of iron bars sliding across and locks and tumbles being turned. You walk down this hallway for nearly 15 feet before you reach yet another door. This time, Crane opens it and reveals quite an expansive room, nearly 40 feet wide and 50 feet long. There is a desk on the left-hand side of the room, as well as a large, what looks to be like a, a knee-high bed, like a, of a Persian style, right? Very, very wide, almost as wide as the room itself. There are dozens of women, oh. all surrounding oh. <laughs> a humanoid tiger. Tony? Many of you would know him <laughs> as a rakshasa, a tiger humanoid. So you all enter... And Crane urges you all to walk forward towards the bed. The Rakshasa makes a waving motion with his hand. And the women begin to file out and leave through a side door to his left, your right. They they can stay. (laughs) (laughs) The Rakshasa stands. He is nearly seven feet tall, so quite large. And he wears red silk robes. He walks over to a set of chairs all around a coffee table, which is on the right-hand side of the room. He gestures to all of you and says, Please, my friend, sit. I sit where I'm standing. (laughs) Okay, so you sit in the middle of the room. (laughs) I'll sit at the table. Okay. Crane stands behind the Rakshasa, but does not sit, and standing at his other side, behind him is the woman in blue. Tyson McKay sits on the ground and everyone else sits at the table. The Rakshasa (laughs) sits and waits and begins to light a pipe. Smoke. But he does not make any attempt to speak. So how about this weather? (laughs) (laughs) Is he just sitting there and smoking? He is. There is a silence which is deafening in the room as everyone is waiting for Tyson McKay who is sitting on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) I scooch on over and take a seat. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, you all take a seat, and his eyes lazily look over the group. He looks to Crane, and then looks to the blue woman, and then begins to speak. My friend, welcome to Malvista. I'm sure the city has treated you well. Not bad. No, it hasn't. (laughs) I yelled at my (laughs) He seems to smile, and he says... Yes, Malvista can be a little bit of a rough place, can't it? What happens in Malvista stays in Malvista. Jane, put down the shirt. (laughs) So, his eyes flick over to Tyson McKay again, but he makes no attempt to respond to to what happens to Malvista stays in Malvista. (laughs) You know it. (laughs) Please, introduce yourself. Uh, (laughs) Say, I'm Dabbledob Doppet, as you probably already know. I do. But I always like to hear it from your own mouth. I got you. I got a question for you. Why exactly did you pick us? 
All in due time, Dabbledop. Alrighty. Please, the rest of Uh, my name is Rogar right <laughs> Roll me a fucking deception. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a toy. God. <laughs> Plus charisma, though, so eight? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> His eyes flick over you again, and he looks now to Gregory the Warforged. Say, I'm Gradrock. The Warforged. Yes, I was most intrigued by your presence with this group. He looks over to Fievel Mausentrov. Name's Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> Roll me a fucking deception check. Yikes. Like a nine. <laughs> Not even close. Right. But you could call me Fievel. <laughs> he is now waiting on Rogar Ragnak and Tyson McKay. No. Tyson, I'll let you go. My name's Rogar? No. <laughs> uh, my name is Tyson McKay. <laughs> He doesn't have anything to say about it? Nope, nothing at all. Oh, I'm okay. here for fun. He is not. <laughs> the adventure. I came when you called. And uh, I introduced myself as Sam Rogar. Knights of the New Moon. Very good. Well, as I said, welcome. <laughs> if all goes well between us, I have a very lucrative and a very interesting proposal for the five of you. Those women? The girl with the blue lip? So, the girl with the blue lips is right behind <laughs> looking at you. She stares at you, and Rogar, for a second, you could swear her eyes become serpentine. Oh, God. But when she blinks, they flick back to being that bright, striking blue again. Medusa. <laughs> it seems as though no one else saw it either, so it was just you. I'm into that. <laughs> so, first, do you have any questions? I understand that Mr. Crane was little elusive in terms of answering your many questions. Yeah, that's my question actual... again. Why are we here? Why'd you pick us? Well, my friends, it is important that, as I speak now, I am not interrupted undue. It is quite a long story, you see, and one that is best told in one piece. I'll turn my mic off. Do I have your attention? Yes. Oh, yeah. So he puffs from his pipe, sits back, and begins to speak. Do you know the history of dragons, my friends? So he waits for you all to... Don't answer, it's a trick. ...to either nod, nod or shake your head. A nod. Shaking my head. So he looks to some of you. He sees at least one confused face, so he says, I thought not. You see, there are two houses of dragons. True dragons, I mean. The chromatics and the metallics. We will spend our time on the former... You see, when the world was young before the age of man, dragons, elves, giants, and dwarves called this place home. Oh, the thousands-year war between dragonkind and giant kin is well known, but it is not the scuffle our immortal friends got themselves into. Once, before the thousand years' war, before the dwarves poked their little heads out of the mountains and saw sunlight for the first time, the elves warred with dragons. The elves were a young race, their blood running hotter than it does now. They lacked their restraint, and they were beings of passion. So too were dragons. It was a terrible conflict. Short, but terrible. Both lost many lives. The elven queen, for her name is not known, had her warriors plan a raid on a dragon stronghold, her only son to lead the assault. But it went awry, and her son was torn apart by Dova, the voiceless one. Now Dova was an ancient female dragon and quite savage compared to the intellectual impressiveness of her later kin. The dragon ripped her son apart, and the queen wanted her to feel that pain, the same pain she felt, the pain of the loss that a mother feels when her child is taken from her. And so the queen sent her shadow elves to steal a clutch of eggs. The Rakshasa pulls again from his pipe in a long, slow drawl, and swirls of smoke almost form images of the story that he tells. Well, it was a success, and the queen's intention was to break the eggs, shatter them, and exact her vengeance. But it was not what occurred. You see, I have uncovered the truth. An advisor to the queen and a potent spellcaster thought of a different use for it. 
If only the dragons could be trained, he said. To defend the elves in combat, trained to kill other dragons, surely that would be an advantage to the elves, would it not? So, the queen sanctioned it. The spellcaster wove an ancient magic on the eggs to make them docile, subservient, and capable of being trained. He hypothesized that the magic would not only change their psychology, but their physiology as well. I am told this is the case for your beast, Fievel. Some would say so. <laughs> the dragons retaliated, and knowledge of the eggs was lost, along with the queen and her spellcaster. It was an ancient text that led me to the discovery of the story, and it captivated me. Imagine the possibilities of such dragons, drakes, as they were later referred to. You see, I sent to Dungeon Delver a previously reliable thief to recover these eggs for me. However, he only managed to get the one, and instead of returning to me, he saw fit to escape with it. A mistake that he is no longer capable of making. So, this, my friends, is why you are here. I wish for you to recover these eggs for me. I assume Fievel will not give up his drake, and it is no matter to me. The beast is useless now, as far as I am concerned, bonded to the one who it hatched for and no longer valuable in the same way. So, five eggs, minus the one in your possession makes four. I am willing to pay 25,000 per egg, right. minus the one in return for the one that Fievel took from me, unbeknownst to him. Damn it, Fievel. This shit. is my <laughs> offer. Oh, that's not enough. <laughs> I get up and I, I, sh I say I'm in. Yeah, I... he, he phrased it like a choice, but we don't really have a choice, so yeah. Yeah, but in. he still hasn't told us why. Like, why? I'm gonna ask him, like, okay, so Crane told us me and Greg don't have a choice in this, and. Yeah, we wronged you in the past. Yeah. Hmm. Dabbledob, you are. 370 years old, correct? 69, yes. And, Gregory, your age spans beyond that, but it is truly only your time with Dabbledob that has been troublesome for me. And the most troublesome time for me is... <laughs> you see, I have my claws in many different cookie jars here in Malvista and across Norian. Your exploits, dungeon delving, and little adventures along the way have sometimes foiled my own plans. It is only because you did not know that you were crossing my path that you are still alive today. Well, I guess we're in. And the rest of you? Say, well, I obviously owe you an egg, and I might as well retrieve the rest as uh, kind of like commission for me taking away your property. I'm so very glad you see it that way, Fiam. I say, I, I, I do thank you for the feed as well. Yes, I have heard he has become quite formidable in his time here. Yep, I'm also capable of uh, changing him a bit, so he's not the average Drake. Oh, I know. I have heard. And Rogar Ragnak, the ever-silent one. Tell me, do you agree to my terms? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I ask him, are we expecting any trouble along the way for these eggs, or are they just some random thoughts? Would it really be worth 25000 an egg if it was just a simple pick-them-up-and-bring-them-back adventure? No, I expect you'll find much trouble along the way. Crane will fill you in on the details. Okay. And my blue friend will accompany you on your journey. Oh, God. Sick. That's no. what I want to hear. Uh, sexy companion. She's going to die, but hey. <laughs> you will follow her direction under my order. Do I make myself clear? Where is that, sir? You have to understand I cannot be seen aiding you. So, when it comes to supplies and transportation, you will have to find your own way. Know that you will be compensated for it. Have zero gold. Yes, me and Fiamma Perhaps in advance. Running a little low, yeah. On your salary. That would be quite kind. 
take it all right now if I could. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> How does 5,000 sound? Ooh. <laughs> I, yes. 75. <laughs> 7,500? Yeah. 7,500? Yeah. Hey, trying to negotiate. <laughs> he looks to you and he says, I think 5,000 is fair. Alright. Don't you, Rogar? I, I'm not mad. I said it's very generous of you. Now, gentlemen, if there will be nothing else, I must depart. Nice chatting with you. Yeah. Oh, the pleasure has been all mine, Dabbledob. Finally nice to put a, na a face to the name. Alright. Sure. I'm not sure we caught your name. You did not catch my name. Nor will you, I think. Oh. I'll tell you what. It's best you don't know. In my line of work, it's better to be anonymous than to be famous. I I stand up and I say, this has been great. <laughs> <laughs> Plus 200 experience points. <laughs> Oh, man. So, the Rakshasa stands and then motions towards the door. You guys notice that, unlike other humanoids, whose palms, you know, and fingers are the way that they are, his are reversed. So his palm is at the top of his hand, and his claws extend upwards. Holding his pipe, he gestures towards the door and says, Take your leap. Okay. To be honest, I thought that was going to be a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> Not even on the road yet. <laughs> okay. I'm quite excited. We're gonna get stolted, gentlemen, for taking on the quest of retrieving the Drake eggs. You each gain two thousand experience points. Walking out of the office, as Crane holds the door open for you, both Crane and the blue-haired woman follow you out, and it is along that dark hallway that we are going to end things for today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. Whether it was morning, evening, noon, or night, I'd like to say thank you so much for listening to the Dicey D20. It's been an absolute blast on our end. This is your DM signing out. Well, that crane guy didn't seem to like us too much. Eh? You and me. Real guy. I don't know. The blue guy like... <laughs> <laughs>